Good morning. Welcome to White Flag Part 1. To start this series, I'd like us to start with a time of confession. I've heard that confession is good for you. I think that's true. So we're going to do it. We're going to, whenever you raise your hand, it's a very simple question, nothing all that personal. How many of you, um, be, probably between the ages of when you could walk to when you got your driver's license, somewhere in that area of life or time of life, how many of you ran away from home? Go ahead and put your hand up in the air if you ran away from home somewhere in that. Yeah, a couple of us, it's, it's actually, yeah, there's more and more hands coming up as, as you're thinking about it. It's a common experience for, for a lot of us. Uh, it's kind of funny to think about it that way. I have an amazing running away from home story that I, I have to share. Um, and mom, you're here, you cannot pipe in. Um, there was a period of time <clears throat> when th things got really bad between me and my mom. And uh, uh, I remember it very clearly. I was six years old. And uh, we, we just, you know, things just came to, to blows. And, and I said, I need to get out of here. And so I went upstairs and grabbed my denim, my blue denim backpack and I grabbed the two things that were most valuable to me in the world at that time. One was the, uh, a, a teddy bear named um, uh, Teddy Rupskin. It looks kind of like this, if you don't know what Teddy Rupskin is. Now, if you flipped Teddy Ruxpin over and opened him up in the back, there was a place for a cassette tape. And when you hit play, that bear told the story with its mouth, okay? I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. I'm pretty sure that if I gave that to my kids now, it would give them nightmares, but it's because it's creepy. So I put Teddy Rupskin in the backpack, and then I also grabbed this, a cement bunny, a lawn ornament. Now, you, you're probably thinking, are you kidding me? I was like, I can't make this stuff up. I legitimately, for some reason, those two things were my most valuable possessions at the time. And so I grabbed the largest thing I own. I mean, that bear is like the size of my torso. And, and the heaviest, potentially the heaviest thing that I own, that's like, you know, like a bowling ball, put them in a backpack and said, Mom, I'm out of here. Walked down the driveway, took a left, walked down to the end of the block, and then I stopped. And I ran into what a lot of runners, and this is maybe familiar with your story of running away, I got to the end of the block and I had no idea where I was going. Not that I didn't know my way around the neighborhood, it's just that I hadn't thought that far ahead about where I was actually going, because when you're running away, that's why we call it running away, right? You don't call it running to. Because you're not, it's, a, it's about away. I want to run away from you or her or them or the situation. And that's, it's not really about where you're going. It's just about getting away. Well, at the moment I you know, decided this is a bad idea, I probably got hungry or something like that and turned around and I'm sure I was crying and I came home and my mom hugged me and probably made me soup or something like that. And that's my running away story. Um, it'd be great if we could just pass the mic around, you know, have you guys come up, do a little open mic, because I'm sure that your, your stories are just as funny and ridiculous, and you did silly things just like I did when you ran away from home, but we don't have time. I, I do want to ask one more question. 
And I don't want you to, to raise your hand on this one. It's a little more personal. And really, I think the answer to this question, it's a rhetorical question. I think the answer is yes for all of us. And it, the, it, the question is just simply this. Again, don't raise your hand. How many of you have ever run away from God? You know, this is probably from the ages of driver's license on. You know what I mean? Like we hit this certain age where there's a tension and, and, and there's a tension between what we feel like God wants for our lives or what we think God wants for our lives and what we really want to do. And, and so we don't quite know what to do, and, and, and we kind of deal with that tension in, in a number of different ways. Sometimes, sometimes we'll just do something like, we'll just say, hey, maybe there is no God. Maybe, maybe he's just not out there. Or, yeah, I, I still believe in God, but I'm not sure, like, does he really care about these things that I do? I mean, I haven't seen him in a while, so... Like, is, is he really all that in tune? I mean, he's got a lot of things to worry about if he's God of the universe. Is he worried about these little, this decision? And we kind of think about it that way or rationalize it that way. Or, or a lot of us sometimes will say, yeah, I still believe in God, but I'm wondering or questioning whether my tradition or my faith background or these rules really represent or have anything to do with that God. So maybe I don't have to follow those rules. Or sometimes what we'll do is we'll say, okay, God, I, I totally still believe in you. I really actually do want to follow you, so I'm going to follow you really well in these areas over here, but there's just this one thing over here. I, I, there's a relationship. There's something financial, work. You know, like you just say, but I don't want you to come over here. I want to do my own thing here. Sometimes that's running for us. Um, and, and honestly, this can happen a number of different ways. It can happen quickly. It can happen slowly over time. It can be a defining moment where you just kind of rage quit your religion and say, I'm out because of what happened to you. Or it can just be like, you know, you moved to a new town and it was like going to church and prayer. It just like stayed in a box back at the last house or something like that. It can happen a number of different ways. I want to tell you how, what running looks like for me a lot. And maybe you can identify with this. I sometimes, I remember doing this a couple different times in my life where I was like, God, I really want to follow you. Just not right now, okay? I just want a little bit of time. I'll follow you later. In fact, God, here we go. I'm going to write you a check to get all of me starting this date. And then I got to go because I got to go take care of some stuff. I got to go have some fun. And, and see, if, if you've done something like that, I, the reason we do something like that is because, or the reason at least I do, is I'm afraid I'm going to miss out on something. By following God now, I'm going to miss out on some good times with some good people doing some good things. That's just me. A, a story that I've often heard is, is people resist God or run from God because of the people in their lives who represent God. Maybe their parents' faith or religion is just like, yeah. I got to get away. Or, or maybe the, the, the church to them represents a, a certain political stance. There's an issue that, that every time they think of God, it makes them think of that issue and they disagree on that issue, so we run. Or, or here's another way that we run, and I think this one's really common. We, when something bad goes, happens to us in life, 
we can do something like where we confuse life with God. Does that make sense? There's a guy named Philip Yancey who's an awesome writer. He lives actually just right down the road here in Genesee. And he writes about that, that we're often, that, that if we're not careful, we sometimes, uh, uh, we sometimes mix up life with God. That is, that is, when life goes bad, we're tempted to think that maybe God is just not good. And so we throw out God because life is not good. Does that make sense? It's sometimes it's a circumstance that drives us away from God and causes us and sends us running. That no matter what the case may be for you, I mean, we have lots of stories. Every person in here would be a different story, different reason. Here's, I think, what's the underlying reason behind our running. I think here's what, what's, what's really underneath it all. Is we just think we know what's best for us. We, we, and, and this makes sense. It makes sense on paper, which is why a lot of us run, which is why all of us have run, which is why some of us are running right now, because we think to ourselves, gosh, isn't the best person to answer what's best for me? Me? Who better to answer the best for me than me? And so we decide to run. We pack up our denim backpack with our talking bear and cement bunny. We hit the road and say, take that, God. And see, we're snickering, we're smiling right now because it's silly. And, and, and see, even if you're laughing at my expense, I'm glad you're, you're kind of chuckling right now because that's exactly what we want to see in this series called White Flag. Is, is we're going to get a chance to look at some of the ways that we run and, and, and really, from an outsider's view, kind of see how silly it is, how really laughable it is, how comical we can get when we start playing those games with God as if we can run from him. You know, like, like I feel like when we run from him and we think this way, we start treating God like he's like this dumb giant or a senile old man. Like, oh, where'd they go? I didn't know. Like, oh, I found a loophole. Quick, get over here. You know, let's go. Uh, uh, you know, we can figure out the man behind the curtain like he's the Wizard of Oz or something like that. And it, it's silly. It, it's, it's kind of a silly thing to think about. And that's exactly what I want us to see through this series called White Flag is the silly games that we play and that maybe it's time to wave the white flag. The, the, for some of us, we're running right now, we're playing games. It might be time for us to wave the white flag. That's hopefully what we're going to do. And hopefully we're going to have a lot of fun doing it. And, and one of the reasons why I think we're going to have fun doing, having this conversation is because we're going to look at a guy named Jonah out of the Bible. And, and if you're familiar, if you, if you grew up in Sunday school, you're maybe familiar with the, the story of Jonah. Jonah is maybe the most classic runner in the whole Bible. He's definitely the most entertaining runner in the whole Bible because of what he does and what happens to him in that process of running. If you're familiar with the story, um, Jonah, uh, God asked him to do something. He's like, no, I don't want to do that. And he runs away and God uh, sends a, uh, a whale 
and he gets swallowed by him, into Jonah and the whale. That's maybe how you know the story. And, and honestly, if you're here this morning and you're thinking to yourself, okay, wait, surely you're not, surely you're not asking me to like believe that a guy lived in a belly of a whale for three days and three nights. And, and the answer is no. And don't call me Shirley. I, 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 I really, honestly, sincerely, my goal for this series is not to get you to believe that a guy lived in the belly of a whale for three days and three nights. Honestly, if that's tripping you up, if you have a hard time swallowing that, <laughs> pun intended, I, I totally understand it. And honestly, if that's you today, I want to give you an out. Um, because my goal isn't to, to get you to believe that. My goal is for us to look at a classic runner and to allow that, what happens in this account to come out of the story with a message of how, what God, how, what's God's response when we run from him. That's what I want you to see. And if you're tripped up by this you know, fact that it's hard to believe, don't believe it. Uh, it, that's fine. I want to give you an out. Now, with that stated, I would like you to know that when I read the book of Jonah and this account, I tend to take it at face value. And let me explain why. The reason why I take it at face value is not just because the Bible told me so or because it's in the Bible, so then therefore it must be true. The reason it's actually better than that, the reason that I, I take this at, at face value, this account of a guy getting eaten by a whale and getting spit, spit out three days later, is the fact that when I read the Bible, there's all sorts of, when I read the Bible, there's allegory that you'll see in different books. You'll see metaphors. You'll see uh, parables a lot of times. Jesus uses a lot of parables. And, you, and it's obviously so. You read these accounts and it's like, yeah, it, it's, this is not true. This is fiction or this, it's, a, it's something that's meant to have a message. And it's not necessarily a true story. When I read Jonah, I don't see that. Uh, in, I don't see allegory. I don't see metaphor. I don't see um, uh, parables. I see, when I read Jonah, it makes me think of the other historical narrative books in the Old Testament. Um, in fact, Jonah is in, in a bunch, in, in a group of books in the Old Testament where there's other guys that they're writing what's happening around in the world. In fact, a lot of those other guys actually talk about Jonah as if he's a real person, that he's not a person of fiction. And then when you open the book of Jonah, you'll start to see in, in the book of Jonah, you'll, he'll start talking about specific places. For instance, he mentions a town called Nineveh. Now, if Jonah had mentioned Narnia, then we'd be like, oh, okay, this is a fake story. But since he mentions Nineveh, which is actually a real place in modern-day um, Iraq, I think it's pretty close to Baghdad. We'll, we'll see here on a map here in a second. Since that's the case, I tend to think, okay, he's, he's trying to anchor this in history as if this happened. Here's another reason why I, I tend to take it at face value. Jesus, when he gets on the scene about 750 years after Jonah, he actually mentions Jonah by name and mentions this whole episode of the fish thing. And he talks about it in such a way as if Jonah actually lived and that maybe this actually happened. And, and here's the thing, and I, I'm not asking you to do this, but I, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I try to go with him as much as possible. He died and rose from the dead, and if a guy can die and rise from the dead, I tend to just take him at his word. And so, like, that's, that's, just, that's just me, and, and since Jesus talked about Jonah that way, I tend to think maybe this happened. But the last reason, and we'll move on, it's, it's kind of, think, I want to think about this the, theologically. If there's God in the universe, and, and that God had something to do with what we're doing today, like, that's connected, 
And, and we as humans have figured out a way through technology to put not just one dude underwater, but like a whole colony of dudes and dudettes underwater in, in what's called submarines for, I think, like a long time, like months. In fact, I, I looked into it. Guinness Book of World Records um, says that, that the longest like submarine dive was 111 days. 111, it's like almost four months of time that a, a colony of humans spent underwater and they lived. Now, if we can figure out a way as, like, I mean, we, there's a lot of cool things we can do, but we can't, like, wield solar systems. If we can figure out a way to do that and put humans underneath water and they live, and I kind of just want to give God permission or, you know, like, the credit to be able to put Jonah in a whale for three days and three nights. That's just me, personally. If, if, you, don't, if you can't go there, if you don't want to go there, I totally understand, but here's, here's what I'm trying to say. Don't, don't miss the message behind Jonah. If you want to look at this, what happened with Jonah as a myth, go for it. But it's a myth that has a message, and it's a message about runners. And so it's important for us to look at it today. So all I'd say, just don't get tripped up on the details. Now, let's talk about Jonah. Jonah was a prophet, and prophets were sent by God to do like, almost like a special service people to, to go into situations, difficult situations, to bear a message that nobody wanted to hear. That's what, uh, that's what they did. Um, and, and Jonah was no exception. He was, and, and he would be sent to Israel. And, and Israel had these prophets. They'd come and say, hey, this is what the Lord says. You should listen. We have prophets today. We just don't call them prophets. Prophets are like those friends that call you. And, and when they call at certain times, you're like, I don't want to pick up that phone. Not because you don't like them, actually quite the opposite, you maybe really like them, but you're, you're afraid of what they might say, and so you're like, I'm going to let this one go to voicemail, and I might not listen to that voicemail for like a couple weeks. That's what a prophet does. That's what a prophet does in our lives. And these prophets in Israel, they would, they, they go to the nation of Israel, and they had this common language, like, like they had a lot of con things in common. They had the same theology. We believe in Elohim, the one God. We believe in Yahweh. And they'd say, hey, you, you've kind of gone off the reservation a little bit. Come back. God, this is, thus saith the Lord. This is what the Lord says. If you don't change your ways, something bad might happen. That's, what, that's commonly what the, the prophets in Israel would do. And they were known as prophets. That was their title. Jonah was a prophet. People know, knew him as that. Now, what's interesting about the, the story of Jonah is when God comes to Jonah, he doesn't ask them, him to go to Israel. He asks him to go to a completely different nation. He asks him to go to Nineveh, which is in the nation of Assyria. And Jonah doesn't like that because there's a lot of problems with that. Jonah's like, hey, uh, uh, did you know, God, that that's like 500 miles away and I have to walk? It's like here, from here to halfway to Chicago that he'd have to walk just to go tell the message. And, and not only that, not only does, does Jonah not want to do that because it's, it's far away, it's a different culture. It's a different language. These are people that, that, that I would say, yeah, thus saith the Lord. They're like, who? Who said that? Because they don't have that same concept. It's going to be extremely hard to explain to them. I don't want to do that. And then, and then if furthermore, Jonah resisted doing this mission for God partly because he knew what these people were like. 
If you, if you remember like in your world civilization class in high school or college, the Assyrians were a major world power at this point in time, and they were brutal. They, the, he, Jonah knew what the Assyrians were good at. They were good at skinning people alive and keeping them alive for like a long time. They were known for like stacking heads in front of cities that they were sieging and, and all that kind of stuff. Jonah knew that. And he's like, I don't want those people to repent. You're saying you're going to judge them? Please, go do that. And then what, what's even worse, what drives this prejudice, it's a, it's a racist, this is a racial issue for Jonah, is the fact that during the same time, during Jonah's lifetime, he had two buddies that were also prophets named Amos and Hosea. And Amos and Hosea were prophesying against Israel over here. And they're saying, listen, Israel, if you don't change your ways, there's going to be an army that comes from the north beyond Damascus. And they're going to come, and they're going to wipe out our cities, and they're going to take us into slavery and exile. And everybody who heard that message knew who that was. It was the Assyrians. And Jonah probably knew that message. I wrote this down because... It's, I wanted to get it right. So while Amos and Hosea are prophesying the imminent attacks of Assyria, God asks Jonah to go preach to them. You see the conflict? And see, Jonah, like you, and Jonah, like me, said to God, yeah, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that. And he runs away. So let's look at how he runs. Let's, let's look at this story. This is chapter 1, verse 1, the book of Jonah. It goes like this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. Again, th th what they're doing is so vile that something needs to be done, says the Lord. But Jonah ran away from the Lord, and he headed for Tarshish. We'll talk about where that is in a second. He went down to Joppa, which was a port city in the, in the country of Israel, where he found a ship bound for that port, Tarshish. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Now, just to give you an idea, when Jonah decided to run from the Lord, I mean, he really decided to run from the Lord. If, if, you were, if he was in Israel, which is right, kind of right here, right there in this area, that's Israel, and he, he went down to Joppa, which is that port right there, and, and, and decided to get on a ship for Tarshish, which is way over there. Nineveh is over here, like I said, about 500 miles away, okay? Tarshish is literally as far as you possibly could go with the, that, the trade routes, the commercial trade routes of that time. To, to Jonah, he was running to the end of the world as he knew it. He was going as, he's like, not only am I not going to Nineveh, God, I'm going as far away from Nineveh as I possibly know how to. And so he goes down to the, to the port of Joppa, and, and he gets on, of all things, a boat. And, and here's, here's what I think was, was happening in Jonah's mind as he 
boarded that boat because I think, I think he was pretty proud of himself at that point in time. He's like, I'm running away from God. This is awesome. I bet you he got on the boat and he started singing, I'm on a boat. I'm on a boat. Everybody look at me because I'm standing on a boat. I'm on a boat and it's going fast. I've got a nautical theme, Kashmina Afghan. And I guarantee this happened. This is way before Leonardo DiCaprio. He went to the front of that boat and he said, I am king of the world. I, okay, it maybe didn't quite happen like that, but here's, here's my point. Something like that happened because this is what we as runners do, especially in the beginning. Especially in the beginning, there's like this brazen, um, like there's spring in our step. We feel unique. We feel empowered. We feel like rugged individuals. I am, I'm running away from God on a boat. That's his perspective. Here's what I think God's perspective was. He's looking down. He sees, you know, like he's looking down on that map, kind of like Google Earth, you know. He's like looking over Joppa. He's like, did he just get on a boat? I mean, for real, a boat? I'm like, where do I start? A, a storm? Uh, how about a, just a giant hole right in the hull? A mutiny? Scurvy? Walking the plank? I mean, like the, 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 endless possibilities for thwarting Jonah's plan. Not only is he on a boat, he's on the longest boat ride known to man at this point in time. And God does get involved. He does, he does step in. Let's, let's look at what happens in, in Jonah's story. It's, it's verse 4. He says these three words. Then the Lord. And these three words are really important for us through this study because there it's like a thread that goes throughout this book as Jonah's running away and abandoning God God is not abandoning him then the Lord if you're a runner you'll know that you you'll run for a certain amount of time and eventually you'll have a then the Lord experience and just so you guys know, a bunch of you are nodding your heads because you've experienced them. And, and you've had some then the Lord moments where it's like, yeah. And something good happened or something bad happened or something downright ugly happened as the Lord was coming after you even, if, even after you've abandoned him. Now, let's look at Jonah's. What happens to his then the Lord? Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. And such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All of the sailors, catch this, were afraid. Now, okay, pause. When you think of sailors, don't think Gilligan. Think deadliest catch, okay? These are professional trade route sailors. They're, they're sea dogs worth their salt. And they're afraid. That's what, that's, that's what kind of storm this was. And each cried out to his own God. You know it's a bad storm when sailors start praying, just saying. And then, and they, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. This is now a lost cause. They've, they're going to lose money on this venture, but it doesn't matter because they're scared for their lives. That's how bad a storm it was. Catch this. But Jonah had gone down below where he laid down and fell into a deep sleep. Strange. The, the captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up, 
Call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we, may, we will not perish. Now, here's the thing. I think there's a few explanations, possible explanations for Jonah's actions here. Like, like really, and I think there are also explanations for our actions when we run. We all do silly things. Jonah's asleep in the bottom of a boat while there's this huge storm happening. Why? The first reason could be He's just completely clueless. Uh, runners, there comes a time where we run from God and, and we do things and we're just completely clueless. He, he, Jonah is, is maybe, maybe he's asleep because he has not yet made the connection that when he started running from God, this is what happens, this is what ensued afterwards. A giant storm. A, a connection, by the way, that the sailors had already made, that this is no ordinary storm. It could be that he's just simply clueless and he's asleep at, in the bottom of a boat. Another option that I was thinking about this week, I was like, maybe, maybe he's not actually asleep. Maybe he's so scared that he's hiding. Maybe he has made the connection, because this happens sometimes as runners. You make the connection, and you're like, I don't want to face that storm. And so he's still running. So he's, where do you run? To the bottom of a boat. That's as far as he can run to get away from a storm that he knows is his fault. There's a third option. The last option is this, and I think this one might be the hardest option. It's possible that, that Jonah, what has happened to Jonah, he's gotten to the point where he just doesn't care. That happens to runners too, doesn't it? You get to the point, like, like, like in Jonah's case, he's like, is he asleep or is he awake? It doesn't really matter because he doesn't really care anymore. If I, if I live, if I die, I just, it, apathy. We get apathetic as runners sometimes, and he's not willing, he's just checked out and not willing to go engage the problem that he knows is his problem. See, as runners, we can find ourselves in places like this, can't we? Where we're completely clueless. We're, we're the last ones to know that we should be praying right now, not sleeping. Or, or maybe we're so scared, we, 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 there's a storm and we're so scared that we don't want to face it. There's another, or we can get to the point where we know there's a storm out there and we just don't care anymore. Regardless of which one this one is for Jonah, the captain comes down and says, listen, wake up. Would you join us for a prayer meeting upstairs, up on the, the deck? And Jonah's like, yeah, I'll come. And, and, and they kind of ask him some questions. They're starting to figure out that this might be his problem. And, and he comes clean. He, he fesses up. This is in verse 9. He answers, Jonah answers, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. The sea, which we're now terrified of, and the dry land that we desperately wish we could get to. That's my God. And look, at, look at the response. They, they, this terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? And catch this, they knew he was running from the Lord because he had already told them so. So they knew part of the story. Now they know the rest of the story. And they're like, oh my goodness, what do we do? And Jonah's like, you have to throw me in the water. And they're like, no, 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 we can't do that. We, like, 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 and here's an interesting transition. You should read this, this account. It's so cool. The, the sailors started by praying to their gods, plural in lowercase g. 
At this moment in time, they start praying to the Lord, Elohim, the, the, the big G God, the only God, the original God. The, and, and they call on his name, catch this, before the Hebrew prophet does. He is, Jonah has yet to bend the knee. And the sailors are so terrified. They're like, Lord, we can't throw this guy over. It, what, you'll punish us. You're like, Lord, have mercy on us, basically. And, and, and Jonah hasn't prayed that prayer yet. And finally, the, the storms get so, the, the waves get so bad that they have to grab Jonah. And they throw him overboard. And what happens, what follows next, confirms their suspicions that this was no ordinary storm because as soon as they throw them in the water, the seas become calm. And this, I mean, that like really freaks them out. They have an, yet another prayer meeting. They, they, it says they, they take vows to the Lord, praying to the Lord. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jonah's just on the starboard side treading water like, hey guys. <laughs> so they say amen and they go look over and they're like, oh yeah, Jonah. And two of them are like, well, what should we do? Should we go get him? And the other one's like, I don't think so, man. I'm not, I'm not, t- you know, and they, fortunately they weren't caught in this ethical dilemma for very long because a giant fish comes and eats Jonah. Check this out. This is verse 17. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, to which I say, I bet he did. <laughs> There's a saying that we have around here that has a lot of meaning to us. When the plane's going down, you pray. Doesn't matter if you're a runner or not doesn't matter of your theology, doesn't matter, you pray. The plane was going down for Jonah, and finally, finally, he's done running. We're going to leave the story there this week. We'll pick it up next week, or two weeks from now. But before we end, I have to ask this one question, and I want you to think about this. This is important. Why did God send a huge storm than the Lord send? Why did God send a huge fish? If your answer is because, of course, because Jonah disobeyed God, and God is mad, so therefore he's, he's coming to, to pay him back and punish him for his disobedience, you couldn't be more wrong. And see, here's, here's where I want us to land. This is a gut check. This is a God check. If you, if you look at a story like this and say, yeah, God was mad, so he was punishing Jonah. I disagree. I think that if God was just punishing Jonah, he would have just let him drown. And that would have been the end of the story. If he was punishing Jonah, he would have sent Shark Week to the Mediterranean and have, you know, runners beware. And that would be like the moral of the story. And honestly, honestly, if I really think that if God was punishing Jonah, the real punishment would have been to not even go after Jonah in the first place. 
to let Jonah just go and live a life without God, without him, in this land called Tarshish, and to just fade into obscurity, away from God, I think that would have been the worst punishment of all. But that's not what God did. God came after Jonah, not to pay him back, but to win him back. God, when we run, doesn't abandon us. He does come after us. And, the, and here's the thing. The further we get from God, the longer that you run, it's just like any relationship, right? You get distant from somebody. You, start, you like start to just assume they're a certain way, but maybe they're not. Some of us have maybe been running from God for so long, and maybe just even in one area of our lives, we just assume he's mad. <laughs> and the truth is he's not mad, but he is coming after us, not to pay us back, to win us back. Jonah was worth it to God. Jonah went through all of this trouble, and we'll look at this next week. He could have used other prophets to do his work, but he wanted Jonah. And the same thing is happening in your life. Jonah was worth it, and so are you. And God is, is, is and here's what we believe as a church. We believe that God is tapping on our shoulders when we turn from him. Tapping on our shoulders through the circumstances in our life, good, bad, and ugly, to, to win us back, not to pay us back. And so in the next couple of weeks, as we think about white flag, Maybe it's time for you to wave the white flag. And, and, through the, and then what's so cool about this with Jonah is we can see so clearly what God is trying to do in Jonah's life. But can you see clearly what God is trying to do in yours to draw you back through the circumstances that surround you? This story and this message is so important to me personally because I've run so much. There's been periods in my life where, like I just said, I want nothing, and I ran. And then I came back, and then since then, even though I'm trying to follow God, there's still areas of my life that I'm just hoarding away from him. And so for me to hear this again and again is so good, and maybe hopefully it is for you. It's also really important for us as a church, because we are a church. Colorado Life Church was built by a bunch of runners. That's our story. Is we, we just have running in our past. And, and we decided to, to build a church for runners in a town that's full of runners. We decided we've got to make church where this message of a God who comes after us not to pay us back, but to win us back. That message can be said all the time. That's why we do what we do. And if you're a part of Colorado Life Church and you've volunteered and, and been a part of that, thank you so much. That's who we are and that's what, we, that without you we couldn't be doing that. So keep going. And if you're new to this, to us, to church, to whatever, keep coming. Even if you don't buy all this, just keep coming back. You can, you can belong here before you believe. This is a place for runners, myself included. Come back next time, two weeks, 
as we pick up the story, Jonah's going to do some funny, silly things. Let, let me pray for us. God, thanks for um, times in our life where we can look at somebody else and laugh. Would you give us the wisdom in a moment like this, how, what's laughable in our own lives? Help us to see this morning, no matter where we're at, the games that we're playing with you. And help us to wave the white flag. Amen.